Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hey, thanks for, thanks for being here. Happy Sunday. Um, we're going to... Uh, w- with, hey ushers, I'm gonna we'll do we'll do a quick announcement first, then I'll bring you guys up, okay? Hey, Craig, can you come up here? I want to. If you guys don't know Craig, this is Craig Cullum. Say hello to Craig. Hello, hello. And um, Craig has something new starting up this Wednesday, and wanted to share it with you guys. So, what do you have going on? We have a men's ministry small group meeting the fourth Wednesday of every month at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be a combination of many things. There's going to be Bible study, obviously, and talking to another and finding the solution in the Bible to life's problems. I have found in the, I'm involved in quite a few different ministries that when people sit in numbers in in small groups or one-on-one, and talk about issues, that's when problems really get solved, especially when it's under the under the protection of God and Christ. Um, it says in Jeremiah 29, 13, that seek me and you shall find me if you seek with all your heart. It says in Hosea 6, 6, that for I, de- I desire mercy, not sacrifice, knowledge of God, not a burnt off- offering. And the best way to learn about this stuff is get together and talk about it. I know back in the old Hebrew school days, back in Jesus' day, debate was a big part of their schooling. And I will obviously welcome debate because that's how we get to Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Love and it. That's about it. That's about it. And so when is that again? The first one is starting this, this coming Wednesday. First one is this coming Wednesday, the 28th. It is the fourth Wednesday of every month at 6.30 p.m. So men, um, and also I, I, don't even, I don't even care if some of you, um, maybe you're with a man today and you need to sign him up for it. We'll allow that. <laughs> You don't even really have to sign up. Just show up. But if you're looking to get connected with other guys, um, this, is, this is a great on-ramp. So, thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Well, we're going to have our ushers come forward to, to give an offering together. Um, it, for, for those of you who call this place home, um, we just... Especially any of you who give to this place, thank you so much. Um, I, I know just in random conversations with people, a lot of times it, it seems like there's a, a misconception with people sometimes that um, like this place, it, it exists for free or somebody else pays for it or something. Um, we, we pay for it, <laughs> all of us. Um, so that's part of what those offerings go to. Part of it goes to uh, staff members. Part of it goes to maintenance stuff. Part of it goes to snow shoveling. Part of it goes to, you know, every kind of thing you can imagine. Um, and if you've experienced higher bills at home, I'm just going to tell you guys a little secret this is the most expensive home I have ever seen. 
Um, we just repaired our, our boiler. We had some heating issues for a few different weeks and um, had to dump, um, I think, somewhere around $12,000 into repairing our boiler. So it's warm. I'm actually kind of too warm today all of a sudden. Um, but thank goodness that is going. Um, if you are somebody who, you know, if, if you want to partner with what we're doing here and you want to see more of the ministry stuff happen, um, people's lives get changed. Like things, really cool things happen because of the existence of this church. And uh, it couldn't exist without, without us giving towards things. So let's pray. God, thank you for just this gift that we have. Thank you for this building that you've given to us and for allowing us to be stewards of it. Uh, we just want to be found faithful and responsible. Um, we know that uh, you're going to continue to meet our needs and you're going to give us things that we can't even imagine. So God, we just pray for your favor, that you would multiply, that you would, um, that you would extend generosity, that you would give us generous hearts. You say in your word that you love a cheerful giver. And so let us be people that aren't giving out of obligation, but that, um, that we feel that connection and we're a part of it and that we have a cheerful heart doing it. And um, thank you for, for just seeing to it that we're always taken care of. We praise you, Jesus. We, we just, we love you. We want to make your name more famous. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. They're going to pass those things along. Um, if, you, if you have cash or check, you can put that in there. You can also put them in the, the boxes. There's one by the doors here and one in the lobby. But you can also give online. Uh, you can go to the website and make a gift. You also can go through our app. Um, there's information in your program about how to download our church center app. It, the giving on there is super easy. You can sign up for recurring giving if you want to, uh, or just a one-time gift, however you want to do it. Um, it's all appreciated. Um, with that, we're going to jump in, okay? You guys good? All right. I want to talk today about um, what it means to have a clean slate. Um, a clean slate. Um, that term comes from really... Uh, hundreds, even maybe a couple thousand years ago when kids were in school, uh, the work that you would do, you didn't write it down on paper. You had, um, you had an actual piece of slate, a, a, a flat chip off of a rock that is able to be written on with chalk, and this slate is able to be cleaned repeatedly. You can wipe the chalk off, and you can get yourself a clean slate. Um, the thing about having a clean slate, though, is it's like that, that fresh start, that do-over. Any golfers? A mulligan. You get to do it again. Uh, and a clean slate is something that I believe Jesus wants us to have as we walk through this life so that we can have that life to the full. Um, it's... It, it, <laughs> I get stuck in the same thing as so many people where I will start to think that I have to get to a certain place and start like 
get to a certain spot in my life before I can be happy, before I can experience that life to the full that Jesus promises. And what he, he wants us to be having it now. We're not just in the waiting room for heaven. We're not just suffering through this time so that someday everything can be okay. He wants to give us heaven on earth now. And that heaven on earth now means uh, living in a different kind of way than the rest of the world lives. And the rest of the world, um, the rest of the world a lot of times will have a slate that is dirty. And when it's dirty, you're not able to put other things on it. You're not able to learn other things. You're not able to have other experiences. Um, Many years ago, when I was in high school, I had a girlfriend that I didn't want. But I was one of those people who was too afraid to be mean. And so it's, I know this is a, whatever, I, I, don't, I don't care how I sound saying it. I'm just telling you the truth. I said yes to a girl that I shouldn't have. And so I find myself in a relationship that I didn't want to be in. And I was kind of in H-E double hockey sticks. And I was uh, just like, and it just kept getting worse and worse. And um, and somehow, like, I'm giving all the signals that I'm, I'm kind of trying to do the stuff to where she just won't like me. Please have her break up with me. And she just, she just liked me even more for some reason. And so finally it came to that place where, you know, and the, I, I completely wussed out. I ghosted her. I dumped her, the only, I dumped her, I told everybody except her. And just hoped that she wouldn't notice. Unfortunately, we were in like, I think we were in one or two classes together. Like, it's towards the end of the school year. I couldn't, I couldn't wait any longer and, and she just hated me for it. And I tried to pretend that nothing was wrong and just keep ignoring things. And she called me a million times and I wouldn't answer and just completely flaked out. Completely didn't take responsibility, didn't man up because I was a scared little boy. And this was one of those things that for whatever reason, years and years and years and years later, it would creep up into the back of my mind again and again and again about what you did. You know what you did. Why would you do that to her? You cr- like, why would you do something so wrong to that girl? And it was always in the back of my memory. Now, we'll get back to that, that story uh, in a little bit, okay? All of us have stuff like that, though. We all have mistakes. Um, we have sins. We have past hurts, missed opportunities, certain failures in our history that we regret, things that we wish never happened, right? Things that you just wish, man, I wish that I could clean the slate. But try as we might, um, they stick in the back of our mind and our memory, and a lot of times they are kind of played out throughout the rest of our daily life. Um, 
our hearts a lot of time what I believe our hearts cry for do-overs, fresh starts, new beginnings. Um, Jesus showed up on the scene, and one of the things that he began to to show people was a different way to live. And he said, "No, you don't. You don't repay evil with evil anymore. That's the way it used to be done. It used to be an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If somebody did this to you, you do it back to them, and it's even, and you're equal." He said, it's not like that in the kingdom of God. It's different. If somebody wrongs you, you pray for them, you love them, you forgive them. If somebody uh, is to to rob you, they're to take your coat, you show up and you give them a couple hoodies as well. That you don't do things the way that the rest of the world does anymore. And he started to kind of flip the way it was expected to walk this life out. Because he had, he had this knowledge that we didn't have that this will unlock a better way to live for you. How many of you have people in your life that are bitter, angry, like there's some little kind of broken piece about them? And maybe you know what it was that happened and maybe you don't. But I would bet there is some type of unforgiveness, some type of wound somewhere where they have been wounded by somebody and it never was healed properly and maybe they were waiting for an apology for years and they never got it. And so that bitterness, that that wound just grows. It, It stays there and you carry it into all your other stuff. You carry it into everything. Do you have anything that is kind of stuck on your slate that you wish was gone? Like a grudge that you're holding on to. Maybe you're the one who's harboring unforgiveness for somebody. That, um, and here, here's what I'll say too. I, I'm sure that they did wrong you. I'm sure that they hurt you. Absolutely. And maybe there was... Some embarrassment on your on your part. Maybe uh, something happened that was totally your fault. Maybe you were the one like me in this situation. It was your doing, and it was entirely on you. And you know that you you had a failure, and you ran away from a problem instead of fixing it. And there's there's something dirty that is on your slate, on your life, that kind of keeps you from being clean in a way that lets lets Jesus operate through you the way He wants to. Um, yes. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes we even, like some things that we have, um, maybe we erase them, but you can still see it because you didn't get it all the way, right? You can tell that somebody wrote that thing there. It still kind of hangs on sometimes. Um, I want to talk today about the, the big one that I think ends up causing us to have a dirty soul, which is unforgiveness 
Um, and it could be in multiple different directions. It could be about forgiving other people. It could be about forgiving ourselves. It could be about asking for forgiveness from somebody else. Um, forgiveness, sometimes um, sometimes people are waiting on it their entire lives. And sometimes it comes really quickly. Uh, one of my favorite stories is St. Patrick. Uh, St. Patrick in the 5th century. Yes, yeah, St. Patrick, that's St. Patrick. St. Patrick was baptizing a king named Angus, and they're going through this baptism ceremony, and it was a really big deal at the time, and the ceremony included, like, it kind of similar to uh, when you're knighting someone with a sword, and St. Patrick accidentally stabs King Angus in the foot with his sword during this ceremony. He's doing some different things, and uh, yes, you're baptized in this. He puts the sword down and right into his foot. He's going through this kind of thing, like rattling off this different part of the the ritual during these passages. Uh, St. Patrick sees the blood start to pour out from King Angus's foot. He made like a slight squeal, but didn't say anything about it. St. Patrick is mortified, and he starts begging the king for forgiveness. And the king says, oh, 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 yeah, sure, you're forgiven. I thought it was part of the ceremony. He didn't even know that something, he's like, I just thought that was part of it. Of course you're forgiven. You know, I thought it was like a symbol. Sometimes forgiveness comes instantly when something happens. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. You ever accidentally, I think, Amy, I think I accidentally punched you in the face one time when I think you were sitting on the steps and I was being an older brother and pretending I was going to punch you and then I accidentally punched you. Sorry, sorry again. Again, I apologize. Sometimes it takes a little while. Um, I had a guy in my men's small group about 18, 16 to 18 years ago. In my men's small group, uh, it was a friend who, um, he ended up moving on from our small group, but he was a part of our group for a while, but this was an opinionated friend. And I remember that I started getting tattooed more, and um, he was kind of more on the judgmental side of things, and he just was informing me every week how stupid I was. That that is so stupid. I don't know why you would do that. And I I just don't get why you, oh, that's what you have to do. And I'm like, this one's for Jesus. This one's the Holy Spirit. This one's this. This is part of my story. This is the Bible verse that really locked me in, that got me like, (laughs) and he's just like, Oh, yeah, so you have to get it tattooed. I'm sure God loves it. And he just gave me so much grief over it. And honestly, I mean, at the time, of course I didn't like it, but I didn't think that big of a deal about it. Um, I didn't talk to that friend for for quite a while. Um, Eight years, eight years after he left our small group, I get a random phone call from that friend saying, you know, I... I've been wanting to call you for years to apologize to you, um, to tell you I'm so sorry about the stuff that I said when you were getting 
tattoos and how judgmental I was, and I just didn't have any right, and I, and, and telling me about stuff that, that he was feeling and going through, and, and that he was having the, the whole judgmental thing of, well, pastors can't have tattoos, and how can you call yourself of this, and this, and this, and, and just apologized profusely, and then said, and I started getting tattooed recently, I'd love to show them to you. And some of his tattoos were inspired by some of mine, and just that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that, well, yes, I, I wasn't, I wasn't harboring anything. I wasn't harboring any unforgiveness for that friend for that thing. But he was walking around carrying that on the other side, with that guilt and shame of the thing that he did. Absolutely, I forgive you right away. Colossians chapter 2, and verse 13 and 14. Um, usually, um, I will typically go with the New International Version of the Bible. Usually, this, um, I, I actually love a paraphrased version. This is from the message. The message is a, a paraphrase of the Bible, so it's kind of modern language um, translation around old old words and just bringing it kind of more up to date it says this when you were stuck in your old sin dead life you were incapable of responding to God God brought you alive right along with Christ think of it all sins forgiven the slate wiped clean that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. That old arrest warrant canceled. There's this simple and profound truth. Um, you, if you've been around here for a while, you have probably heard me say it before. A simple, simple, completely true thing is this. You can never, ever get something clean without getting something else dirty. Ever. You can never, ever get something clean without getting something else dirty. You spill something on the counter, you wipe it up with a paper towel, you got the paper towel dirty. You got the garbage dirtier. You clean something from the floor, you mop it up. To clean this thing, you have to get this other thing dirty. Always. To clean yourself, you have to get the water dirty. To you can never get anything in this world clean without something else getting dirty. And this is with absolutely anything that you can possibly think of. I mean, plants, animals, you know, CO2. We could get into all kinds of weird things about that, but you'll never get something clean without something else getting dirty. It's just kind of one of the things about the universe, the way that it works. If you want a clean slate, if you want a clean soul and conscience, a fresh start, what that means is something else has to get dirty. Something else has to get dirty for that to happen. For me, in so many different situations, my pride, my ego has to get dirty for me to have a clean slate. This other part of me has to get dirty for me to have a clean soul. And so um, 
I had told you a little bit about that story with the past girlfriend. Um, Many years later, I finally had the testicular fortitude to contact her and to ask for forgiveness and to say, I'm so sorry, I wronged you and I know that I did. And I get you had a right to, to hate me and to, to talk bad about me and all these different things. I, I am so sorry for what I did. I was, I, was just, I was just scared. I think I was just scared and I didn't know how to deal with stuff. I'm so sorry. And it was one of those things where my pride had to get dirty. My ego had to get dirty. My emotions had to get dirty and messy so that something else could get clean. And she, it was messaging on Facebook or something like that, and she messages me back and completely forgives me and completely releases me from that particular prison. Completely, she's like, man, we were kids. We both were, we were both idiots. We both, I should have been seeing the signs, blah, blah, blah. She took responsibility for certain things she didn't need to, and And she completely released me. If you've ever been addicted to anything, um, anyone who would, would say that they've been an addict, if you want to get clean, a lot of times you have to go through withdrawals. A lot of times you go through withdrawals and you go through pain and you go through a dirty, messy process of suffering to get clean because nothing and no one ever gets clean without something else getting dirty. A lot of times it's that suffering, that process of getting something else dirty that leads to our success. The thing that is beautiful about our faith in Christianity is recognizing that Jesus got his own soul, his own self, his own life dirty for us so that we could be clean. There is all of a sudden this only other exception. You can never get something clean without something else getting dirty. This bleeds through into Jesus' work that he did on the cross for us. He says the only way those kids are ever going to get their souls clean is for me to get dirty for them. And so he allows himself to be bloodied and beaten and to take on our sin that he didn't that he didn't do, take on our punishment that he didn't deserve, take on all of our stuff, our dirt, so that we could have this opportunity to be clean. In first Peter chapter two it says, But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. So that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have been returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. The funny thing is this whole concept of forgiveness, it, it assumes wrongdoing. And this is one of the things that Jesus brings to the table, one of the big pieces of who he is and what it, what it means to follow him and how incredible... Um, See, nobody, there were all kinds of cool teachers and people that said neat things and could, could show you how to do stuff, teach you how to live certain ways. There was never somebody that came along and offered forgiveness. Forgiveness. This whole concept of forgiveness, it assumes that wrongdoing happened. It assumes that you've been hurt in some way, that you got burned by somebody. And Jesus was not caught off guard by that at all. He said, if you follow me, you're still going to get burned by people. You're going to get hurt by people. I guarantee you will. Like, you're not going to be protected from that. You're still going to experience those things. He says this, John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Not might not could. In this world, you will have trouble. He says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. For some of you in this room right now, the thing that comes to mind is, yeah, okay, Ryan, but you have no idea what they did to me. You have no idea what they did to me. And, and, I, and I don't. And maybe it was like a, a so-called friend or it was a family member or mom or dad who was supposed to protect you. And they did the exact opposite of that. And, and it's horrible. And in that, that kind of shadow of your, your hurt and your pain, uh, forgiveness might feel like it would be a decision to reward your enemy for something. Like, I, I'm not going to forgive them because I'm, I can't give them that. Why would I give them that, that peace? Why would I give them that gift from me? They hurt me so bad. They did something to me so wrong. How could I ever forgive them? But the thing about it is, in the shadow of the cross and the work that's done on the cross and the example we have from Jesus Forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. It's normal. It's, I would say, human. It's part of our human condition to want to hurt somebody back, to get revenge. Man, somebody's messing with your kids. Man, I want to hurt them. I just want to hurt them. Somebody's messing with my kids. I just want to hurt them back. And I have to keep being reminded all the time that Jesus isn't normal. That he's not normal. That he wants us to live a different kind of way and to be free and clear. And he knows that revenge leaves marks on us forever. Like, it's not just something getting written on the slate. It's getting, like, carved in. And it's really hard to get rid of. 
C.S. Lewis wrote this in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And so it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean forget. It doesn't mean forget the thing that happened. We're not supposed to um, go pretend that something didn't happen. It's a completely different thing. It's to forgive the inexcusable because we're able to recognize that God forgave inexcusable things in us. To forgive is to recognize that someone else is just like you, that they're human and they're flawed and they're imperfect and they're screwed up too. And they make stupid decisions and they make mistakes. Holding that forgiveness hostage from somebody though, it doesn't ever hurt them. It doesn't it doesn't really hurt them. Like it could maybe it could maybe bug some like they 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 want that that forgiveness from you. Maybe they've apologized and you're holding it and but typically it's it's not really hurting them nearly as much as it's going to hurt you. In the form of that pain, that bitterness, that anger. One of the things that I do sometimes with um with my kids and different people, if you ever recognize, you, you got to be close with somebody, but friend or family, that they're, they're holding on to something, you go up to them and you just, you just touch their arm. You go, hmm, bitter. <laughs> Anne, Anne Lamott is uh, an author that I, I've read many of her books. She has a, a book called Bird by Bird. And in her book... It says, in fact, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. How many of us, we're the ones who are suffering because of that thing that they did to us because we're we're holding that forgiveness hostage. No, I'm not going to give that to them, but man, your whole life is marred by this bitterness, this anger, this stuff that you carry into the relationships with other people who didn't do that thing to you? Ephesians 4 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Man, one of the things that um, was so crushing to me uh, as a as a person who um, would lash out at other people for things. Sometimes I sometimes I would explode with anger on my kids about ridiculous things, and I know that it was it was like damaging anger where they didn't deserve that kind of reaction whatsoever. And yet I would have this, just this, because of past wounds and things a lot of times, but I would give them things that they didn't deserve whatsoever. And, you know, you walk away, and what would happen with me is I would just be walking in that guilt and shame of that that's not the dad that you want to be. That's not the man you want to be. That's not the husband you want to be. Like, you are falling short in all these different ways. And 
I would just be kind of carrying that into every other situation that if you're walking into all the other parts of your life with guilt or shame over the way that you've behaved on something, honestly, it's one of the big things that finally caused me to go and get help. Um, I went and I'm like, why is it that I'm like in a really good mood and then this thing will click all of a sudden and I'm just violently angry all of a sudden about nothing. And they were like, oh, you're bipolar. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But the thing about it was, even knowing that, nothing was ever really going to work until I started to forgive other people for the past stuff that I was carrying around with me and also to forgive myself for just being down on like I, I mean I would walk around saying the, the things like I'm a loser I'm this I'm, I'm, I'm not a good dad I'm not a good husband I'm not this I'm not this and just carrying around um, just stuff that Jesus never intended for me to have. So I had to forgive other people. To forgive other people didn't mean to forget what they did to me. What it means is to truly be able to wish somebody well. To wish them well. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends now. It doesn't mean that you have to pretend that nothing happened. But it means that you release them. You release them from that cage, from that prison that you were trying to hold them in. You spit out the poison that you've been holding in your mouth. You recognize that, man, I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm taking the rat poison and just hoping that they're going to suffer somehow. But I'm the one suffering. And so you forgive somebody. It's just a choice. It's a decision that you make. And it's a power that Jesus gave you to be able to do. If you're waiting to get to a place where you feel like you forgive them, you won't. You're just not going to feel like you, you're, you're probably never going to get there. Like, yeah, I'm better now. You start to get better when you make the decision and you say, I forgive them. I forgive you for the thing that you did to me. And I wish you well. I'm rooting for you. Even though this thing happened, I really hope the best happens for you now. I'm not wishing ill on you anymore. I'm not wanting you to suffer in some way. I want you to thrive and I release you. For some of you, the challenge today is what I'm saying right now. The challenge is that you got to forgive somebody. For some of you in this room, the challenge is that you have to forgive yourself. That you have to line yourself up with what God has done for you and also recognize that if Jesus himself forgave you for that thing, which he did, if you're a believer, you've already been forgiven for all of your previous sins and all the ones you're going to do. Sometimes people say like, yeah, I got, yeah, Jesus forgave me, but then I did, then I did bad stuff again. <laughs> yeah, he knew, he, yeah. He's covered your past and future sins. And this is the God of the universe that we're talking about. And if he has decided that you are worth forgiving, if you're still holding yourself in a place of not forgiving yourself, what you're really doing is you're saying that 
you're above God. Like, you're bigger than what he is, than who he is. That, yeah, God did that, but he's not, he's not right. We have to be lining ourselves up with the truth about who we are and who he is. If God chooses not to bring that thing up anymore, why are you? Learn from it and let yourself off the hook. Now, you can't just jump the process and go, oh, I forgave myself when you needed to ask for forgiveness because maybe you hurt somebody else. Some of you, the challenge might be to forgive yourself. Some of you might be in that other spot of you have to ask forgiveness. One of the things that I got really good at and you know, I, and your ego has to take a hit, your pride, your all of these things is I mess up with the kids, yelled at them over no good reason at all, blew up about something to go back as soon as possible and say, I am so sorry, you didn't deserve that. I'm so sorry, that wasn't okay. And I don't want you to think that I think it was okay and ask for forgiveness to make things right as soon as you can. You got to get your ego dirty. The question would be, do you have somebody else that you need to forgive? The thing that keeps dancing around in my head is sometimes we think, no, no, I'm good. Sometimes I'll think that, and then I'll remember Oh, that's right. I used to have certain people in my life that are now gone from my life. And I haven't even tried to, I haven't tried to check in on them. I haven't, I haven't called. Well, they didn't call me either, but, but Jesus calls me to be a different kind of friend on a different level. And recognizing that if I'm just letting them go and pretending that they're gone and never trying again or anything, it really comes from a place where it's because I still haven't forgiven them for something. I didn't forgive them for leaving me. I didn't forgive them for uh, moving away. I didn't forgive them for whatever it is. Some of you need to forgive somebody else. Some of you need to forgive yourself and let yourself off the hook. And to recognize that you might be putting yourself above God himself. That he forgives you. That Jesus died on a cross for you. That to get you clean, Jesus got dirty on your behalf. And so there's no good reason for both of your souls to be (laughs) suffering like that. And some of us need to ask for forgiveness. Because we're humans and we're knuckleheads. Right? Let's pray. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that you modeled what this looks like for us and that we didn't deserve your forgiveness. Um, We did everything wrong. And yet you went and got dirty on that cross on our behalf and took our punishment that we deserved so that we could have an opportunity to walk through this life with a soul that's clean. 
Jesus, you are the picture and the example of what love is. Thank you for showing us what it means to be released from the prison, to be let off the hook for something that we deserved. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for mercy. Because we had something coming, and we deserved it, and we didn't get it. Thank you for taking the punches for us. Thank you just for the work that you did on the cross. We just pray that you would be be able to give us the strength and the knowledge, the bravery to follow your example. You said in your word that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. You have come that we may have life and have it to the full. We want life to the full. So God, I just pray that you would help us in this room to release people we're holding in prison, to release ourselves from any kind of guilt or shame that we're walking around in, beating ourselves up over. We're not going to be the people that you've called us to be if we're walking around with that dark cloud over us. Let us be the people who are brave enough to admit it and get our egos and our pride dirty and ask for forgiveness for the things that we know we did wrong. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you so much uh, for being here. Thank you for, um, thank you for, for, thank you for, uh, for, for giving me for certain things. Thanks for walking through this process with me. If you want to be prayed for for anything, we'll have some prayer team people over by the cross. I hope you guys have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.